When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. It is the Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's the dudes from the draft deck. NBA draft show on the no ceilings NBA draft podcast feed my name's Corey Tulliba and I'm here as always with my co-host Albert garbage time Gim. Albert what's cracking dude what's going on it's good to be back um we're gonna be doing I it, it feels weird I, I feel like we haven't recorded in a really long time but that's actually not the case it's just that we've been recording on like weird days and times and stuff the last couple of weeks but um ready to rock I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm excited especially considering who we're talking about today yeah, our our scheduling has like uh, thrown us off tilt because you know we did that awesome episode um, with our guy Jalen Clark from UCLA. Which, if you haven't listened slash watched that episode yet, we did uh, an awesome film uh, breakdown with with Jalen, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great episode, so that should be on the feed that you are either listening to or watching right now. And as you said, Albert, I am very excited to. Uh, do this episode on the prospect that we're going to break down today because I just got to see him up close, live, and in person with No Ceiling Zone, Nathan Grubel. Took a little trip out to Philadelphia to see our guy, Jarris Walker, the Houston power wing. Uh, he will be 19 years old on draft night. He is listed at 6'8", 220, with a reported 7-foot, 2-inch wingspan. Um, actually, I think I saw six, eight, two thirty-five. That's that. I think that, that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, he's playing 26 and a half minutes per game, averaging 11.8 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, 1.7 assists to 1.2 turnovers, 1.1 steal, 0.9 blocks, uh, shooting 49.3% from the field, 42.3% from three, 63.6% from the free throw line, true shooting percentage of 55.7 PER of 24.6 and a box score plus minus of 10 flat preseason. Mr. Walker. Had his stock price um, set at 11.4. He came in at 10 on the draft deck IPO. ESPN had him at 14. SB Nation had him at 9. Basketball News had him at 15. The Athletic had him at 18. Tankathon had him at 10. No Ceilings had him at 6. Sports Illustrated had him at 8. Currently, ESPN has Jarris at 7. The Athletic has him at 8. Tankathon has him at 9. Basketball News has him at 14. Bleacher Report has him at eight. Sports Illustrated has him at five. The Ringer has him at five. We still had him at six. SB Nation had him or has him at 10. Average stock price of eight. He was still ranked 10 on the January draft act update. Uh, He might rise up a little bit on the February update when we do that. So, Albert, as I always do, I ask you, is Jarris Walker's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? (sighs) I... 
I I think this is a pretty easy answer. I think for you and I, um, definitely too low. I think right. I think yeah. Walker is a guy that you and I are ridiculously high on, and I and I'm really excited to get into why to talk about all the different points that we have about his game and what he can do and his future and his outlook and all that stuff. But I I think he's a guy who I haven't moved him from three for a very long time. And I think that's just not going to happen at all because Corey, we did a preseason pod on him and we're back now to another pod on him now. And I, I think this is the first time we've ever done it like this close with a prospect, right. Um, in terms of like doing multiple pods on a player. And I think, it's deserved because he's been so damn fun to watch. And I think he'll only continue to be ridiculously fun to watch. So for me, I'm going to say too low. He's been at number three on my big board since I can even remember doing one this season. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, same for me. Uh, we came in, we had him at three. We were just so excited about all of those skills that he showed off at IMG. And the question was always going to be, is he going to get to show them off in full at Houston? And I think we both probably tentatively thought no. And I think we both realized that due to the fact that he was playing on, you know, the team that I think is the best team in the country, a team that is trying to win a national championship. Uh, it, it doesn't shock me that, you know, he's kind of had a slow burn, kind of a simmer as to his rising draft stock. I think it's ultimately going to start heating up during workout season. Or, you know, if, if Houston has a run and he keeps playing the way he's playing, then he's going to, you know, obviously shoot up boards a, as high as possible. But workout season, he's he's going to be the guy, The you know, teams are going to get him in and be like, oh my God, this dude is a grown man. He looks like he's 25 years old. He's a physical freak. He's athletic. He's skilled, the coordination, all the stuff that we're going to talk about. So, uh, you know, obviously way too low for me, which is crazy considering, you know, he's still a, a top 10, top yeah. eight guy. I think we both just believe so much in the tools and it's really starting to come together and seeing it in person was so much fun. Uh, you know, I turned to Nate. I was like, this is a very very fun game for the Corey Teleba agenda tonight. Um, as somebody who uh, has, you know, I, I feel like we were really early on Jarris as this potential top five guy. And obviously, you know, myself, you Metcalf, like we've kind of held strong that, all right, Jarris isn't showing everything. He's not going to blow you away with the stats, but we still believe in the tools long-term. And that's controversial because I've had conversations with NBA people, executives, agents, whoever, that, um, you know, one one person might be in agreement and the other be like, ah, I just don't see it yet. You know, he's he's a a, a prospect that uh, I, I think some people are, are going to favor over others, but I know that we do love him. So now, Albert, if you had $10, and this is a tough, this is going to be a very tricky one. If you had $10 to invest in Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore, and Brandon Miller, how are you spending your ten dollars? Wow. Okay, I was not expecting the uh, Brandon Miller one at the yeah, end. Yeah, some heavy hitters. I was deciding between Brandon Miller and Jet, but I didn't want to put you in that position. Thank you. Th this is why you're a friend, Corey. Because <laughs> um, I would have irrationally just given all ten dollars to Jet, but here we go. Um, okay. Okay, I think I have my answer, and 
I people may not like this answer, but I'm really okay with that. Um, I'm gonna go five dollars to Jerry's Walker. I'm gonna go four dollars to Cam. I uh, sorry, four dollars to Brandon Miller, and one dollar to Cam Whitmore. And um, I base that off of where I have them on my board, but also just based off of like my own bias and how I like you know the types of players that I like. Yeah. And um, yeah. So five four one might feel a little dramatic to some, but I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I I think that I am going to give Jarris uh six dollars okay okay i'm gonna give brandon miller three and i'm gonna give cam one wow. and you know i i it sounds like we we don't like cam and that's yeah. why i thought this was interesting because we put heavy hitters it's just i really really believe in jarris walker's potential impact at the nba level and I also really like Brandon Miller and I think that the the skills that he's shown are bankable and translatable and he likewise has a, a ton of potential like Brandon Miller and Jairus are both in my top five. So uh, it was hard and I was thinking about maybe going 550, 350, but either way, I think both of them have shown a little bit more of a safety net over Cam, who I still think is a really great prospect. So and we'll cover Cam at some point. I'm I'm going to see Cam uh, during the Big East tournament at the Garden. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him in person and seeing how that evaluation um, or how that affects my valuation because, you know, seeing Jarris up close was like, oh boy, this is a big boy. Yeah. And Corey, I, I just want to say, like, once again, just to reiterate your point about the fact that we don't hate Cam Whitmore, it's it's just when you're evaluating prospects and you look at them like in their like totality, holistically as players overall, you're going to end up having guys that you like on different levels, but also they're on different levels. And I think mm -hmm. that's how we have to view this. I have Walker at three and Brandon Miller at four. So I kind of have them neck and neck in this exercise. But Whitmore, I think right now, I currently have him at 11. So there is a drop off there. But me having Cam Whitmore at 11 doesn't mean that I hate him. I I, I still think he's a top, he's a lottery guy, right? And he may even move up. And, and honestly, Corey, like I think he's, I mean, you and I, I'm, you especially, we haven't been big fans of his shooting form, but I mean, he's shooting it at a decent clip. He's, he's not playing terrible at all. He's, know, he's so. played well. He's played well yeah. recently. He, yeah. You know, he's had a few inconsistent, but all prospects are going to, Correct. you know, have it's those. Right. Absolutely. Especially, you know, Villanova is not like the most fun watch yeah. <laughs> there is, um, but he's definitely started playing well and, and, gotten me more optimistic uh about you know the type of player and he's another guy i think all three of those guys have safe floors as nba players yeah. it's just and and all three of them have high high ceilings too it's just i probably feel the least safe about cam reaching him i feel like cam is going to very much so need to hit on uh the right team construct in a way that the other two guys I think are a little bit safer. Now Jarris, there there could also be a couple of um teams up top that maybe offer some like weird fits. Like if he ended up in Detroit with Jalen Duran, it's like it's a little clunky. Defensively it would be just phenomenal potentially, but definitely a little bit clunky if if you don't believe that either one of them are going to be able to space the floor fully. It's it's uh, a little bit like, you know, uh, they already have Isaiah Stewart, who I don't think is 
the prospect that Jairus is, but you know, not completely dissimilar either. Um, so let's get into the scouting report. All right. Where do you want to start with Jairus? Cause you could really go in a number of directions. I, I think you put it perfectly, Corey. We could literally talk about any aspect of his game and we're probably going to gush about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> so um, if anything, we could stay on brand and talk about his shooting. But I mean, I do want to say once again, we could talk about any aspect of his game and I think we'll have a good time. So uh, let's start with the shooting. Okay, that's that's perfect. Talk to me about how you feel about him as a shooter because I think that this is the big question mark for anybody who is a quote unquote, like non believer, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, if you're a buyer in Jarris, you're a buyer in his jump shot. If you were a skeptic, you're saying, all right, I see 43% on the year, but the volume isn't quite there. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about how you think he projects as a shooter. I I think for me, I feel like when it comes to Jairus Walker specifically and his shooting, you can find a rebuttal to almost any critique when it comes to uh, specifically about his shooting. And Corey, just to kind of reference what you just said, if someone wants to talk about the volume, well, then look at how he's being used in that Houston offense. If you want to talk about um, percentages, the percentages are fantastic and then you want to talk about like how the look at the shot like look at the mechanics on the shot like i i would i'm very curious to hear what critiques people have about how the shot actually looks like maybe it doesn't look like um clay thompson taking a jump shot but i actually don't see what's wrong with it either so for me i feel like whatever route you want to take to critique it i mean just in terms of raw numbers right something that stuck out to me is that he's in he's in like like the 91 percentile in, t- in terms of catch and shoot jump shots right he's like 46 percent shooting from on just on catch and shoots which is a really really important tool for how he's being used currently at houston but also how he'll shoot on the next level um even guarded right now he's pretty good shooting 43 percent unguarded 48 percent. so i don't know like obviously off the dribble right he's not perfect but also like is, is that what you're looking for and what what I'm trying to figure out what evidence there is that shows that he won't get better in those aspects either is kind of where I'm at. So a really long answer, Corey, to say that I'm a huge believer in his shooting. Um, and you can see it here on the screen. Like I just, Corey, please tell me, like, I I love to hear you talk about the mechanics of the jump shot, because for me, from my amateur eye, I'm like, dude, it looks fantastic. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the load up, maybe it's the feet. I don't know what people will say, but I think it's a great looking jump shot, especially at the top. So Corey, maybe you can give us some more insight. Uh, I, I think that what I like about it is like, he's always had really great touch, right? Like if you, if you're watching this um, on the video, like he's, it's a soft ball that gets good arc and it's just, it's just a clean jumper. I also think his footwork has massively, massively improved. Like he's got the hop, the step, he's balanced Uh, up top. I think, you know, if you're looking for the classic clay Thompson release, you would see like the jumper maybe be, less in front of his face uh more like aligned with like uh his shoulder and or his lead shooting leg and sometimes it gets a little bit uh out in front of his his face but ultimately i think that his form 
is is pretty clean and repeatable. You know, he one of the things we talked about um, earlier in in the year was that, uh, you know, he would like lean back a little bit or he would like fall away. I think that that is he's definitely worked on that. It's still there minimally where he's just like slightly finishing to the left a little bit. Um, But again, I think it's fixable. I think it's something that he's worked on to, to the point that I I don't really worry about it um, in the long term. Like I, I think the question with him is like, what kind of volume can he get up to? Because earlier in the year and like midway through the year, most of the games he was at like one or two attempts a game. Right. And it's, it's hard to find a rhythm in that. And it's hard to take too much away from that. Whereas now he's shooting it much more confidently. Um, and like in that confidence, he's upping the attempts. So I I think that, you know, like the fact that like this, this shot that I'm going to, I'm going to put on the screen, um, it's a miss. But the confidence, like he's shooting this off movement, you know, like these are shots that he wasn't taking at the beginning of the year where he's, you know, running baseline and he's just going to confidently like catch and shoot. Like this is not even a, a a shot at the end of the shot clock. There's 10, 11 seconds on that, on the clock there. So he's getting up a shot uh, in a way that it's like, Hey man, you're shooting yeah. that with confidence. And if if that is going to be what he's doing, where he's shooting the ball with that kind of confidence, man, like now now we're cooking with gas because that opens up just um just a lot of different aspects of this game. And Corey, if I could just follow up with what you're saying, like how many guys do we know with his body profile, physique profile that are taking those types of shots? There aren't many. I, 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 I'm I'm like failing to think of one right now. Like I think a name that you mentioned before, Isaiah Stewart, right? People may mm-hmm. compare. I, I guarantee you we're going to hear the name Isaiah Stewart. We're going to hear the name Precious Achua when people are evaluating, evaluating his game hitting into the draft. But neither one of those guys are taking shots like that. I, Achua's taken some threes, right? Stewart's definitely tried to integrate that more into his game, but not like that, dude. Not running baseline, catching in the corner and putting up that type of movement movement shot is not something that they'll do or other guys will do of that size and profile. And so, Corey, I, I just want to reiterate, reiterate reiterate what you said to be of that size and to have that type of confidence and to be, you know, to have that type of freedom within himself to take that type of shot, I think is rare. And we've talked about so many other prospects who have like the wing guard profile who aren't willing to take the shot that he just took, that you just showed us. Right. And people will say like, bro, you just showed us one video, but I'm like, Hey man, watch his game and watch the type of shots that he's taking and the types of moves that he's trying with his size and with his handle and everything that he has we're talking about a really, really special guy. And and I hate to get ahead of myself, but specifically with the shooting, Corey, I think the point that you made is such an important point for us to really nail here and to bring up once again, that type of confidence in his shooting at that size with the type of body that he has is rare in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I think when I was at the temple game, all right, here's the thing 
that impressed me about the shit. Look, he hit four threes in the Temple game. All right, he's not going to do that every single night. Shot four, five. The first one he hit was like an end of shot clock step back. And when, when that went in, I was like, Nate, it's going to be a long night, but like in a good way, like this is going to be an enjoyable time. Um, but it, more so than talking about these difficult shots, right? When he's a rookie, he is not going to be ta- tasked with becoming, you know, ultimately the kind of shooter creator that I think he's capable of being down the line, right? It, it's like, it's going to be a, let's keep this game simple, right? And so he is going to be tasked with shooting more of these, just step into it, bang, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and why that shot, okay, is, is important is because it opens up the other aspects yeah. of his game. So now this this shot was hit, all right, um, and then the very next possession down, right, it's nearly the same exact scenario, okay? It, it looks almost like the same yeah. play, except instead mm-hmm. of shooting it, pump fake, boom. Yeah. And now we're getting into the floater. And that's where you see that touch in that in-between game. And, and the processing and the recognition, the the feel, the basketball IQ, whatever you want to call it, whatever buzzword you want to use to the very next possession, know they're going to hard close on you. And then also to see the big man, the help, step up. And instead of barreling into him, pulling up in an area where you're comfortable and getting into the little mid-range floater, um, which is a double-edged sword and we'll talk about. But that is just smooth. And I mean, this is one of my favorite sequences from Jarris offensively this entire season. I'm glad I got to see it up close because, you know, these are the type of things that help you earn minutes in the NBA where you hit a shot now you're going to be defended in a different way. And how do you respond? And and that that possession, those two possessions back to back were just, I was like, this is why I'm so high on this guy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it may seem simple. He didn't do anything crazy. He just attacked a closeout and hit a, a pull-up floater. But, like, it was the recognition, the processing that was so impressive about it. Hey, Corey, I'm, I'm going to go back to Summer League 2022 right you myself a bunch of other no ceilings brothers were sitting in the gym and we're watching the lakers summer league team i believe and i think it was max christie yeah it was my what am i saying it was max christie hits a corner jump shot right next possession gets the ball back same spot head fake takes it to the rim you 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 turned over to us said good process right and that that's that's your buzzword i think for what we're talking about here right good process and i think the thing that with what you're mentioning with Jarius is that if he can practice this type of stuff and continue to flash this type of stuff, the stuff that he can do going towards the rim is insane. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. just talking about the floater and the touch, but also his passing ability. And Corey, I, I think the point that you made that I know we're going to get to eventually though, is that floater can for sure be a double-edged sword and is one aspect of his game that I think he's going to need to develop because of the low free throw shooting numbers and all that stuff. Like the volume is just not there right now for a guy, his size and whatever. But I, I think overall, if we're talking about like, that's a high end skill that we're talking about and if he has that ability and this is just the 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 baseline and the foundation of who he's going to be as a player and he can already flash that type of stuff then we're talking about a terrifying talent so just wanted to say i i just 
the stuff that he can do already and with, with that with the clip that you should, and he did it in the he's done it in a lot of different games like even watching that wichita state game like that one defensively he was doing stuff that was incredible off, offensively too just he continues to show this versatility and and Corey, i do want to say you you started this off by saying that he's playing on a really great team right but yeah playing on a really great team means that he's not getting the crazy volume that maybe some other guys are in different like he's not getting the same type of usage and freedom that a guy like Gigi Jackson is getting at, you know, it, you well, know, yeah, it, I mean, I, well, yeah, I know, I know, but mostly, it, mostly not, <laughs> not recently, but uh, you, you get what I'm saying. Like it, the situation that he's in playing with more veteran guys and on a really good team, his role is more defined and the freedom is definitely restricted here. So when you start thinking about these gifts and talents and his ability in a, more spacious landscape, more spacious um, situation in the NBA, it's hard to not get excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, again, he's not perfect, right? And we saw him, he, he got to that that little free throw area, he hit it. You very easily could argue like Temple's big is slow-footed, attack him, try to do- draw contact, get to the free throw line. And uh, I think that in-between area, like for as powerful as Jarris is, he is very much so a finesse guy, right? And part that, like, the finesse comes from the fact that he's so fucking coordinated, like, in, in a way that a guy who moves that well, like, or a guy that big shouldn't be able to necessarily move. Like, it honestly, it, it's LeBron, Paulo, like, that's how big he looks on the floor. And, like, he moves like those guys. Now, I think both of those guys are maybe or definitely obviously LeBron just broke the the scoring record. So I think both of those guys are, are more skilled as um, shot creators, but I think Jarris is underrated in that department because this dude has, has got some funk to his game, man. Like, yeah, I mean, look at that fall away. That is an all-star level shot that he is, that he hit. Like he is taking a big, he's facing him up. You know, between the legs, spin, fall away, mid-range shot. That's like an, hey, we need a, it's the end of the clock, the end of the quarter, the end of a game. We need to ISO you, get you a mismatch, and let you go to work because we need a, a tough bucket from a tough bucket getter. And again, you know, like this is a double-edged sword because this is, you know, a, an elite level of shot making and combos. But, you know, with with that said... It's also can be argued that sometimes he settles for those shots. Mm-hmm. It could be Corey, argued that. Corey, can I ju- can I just interject really quickly? Of course you can. In this same game against Cincinnati, there are two other possessions that I think were really important considering what you just showed us, right? Um, I think it was before the possession that you showed us, but he... Um, um, off of a pick and roll action, right? They switched and the guard was on him. Jarris immediately, right, takes him into the post, is screaming for the ball, right? He gets the entry pass, goes middle, finishes over his left shoulder. I was like, that's fantastic, right? Later on in that game, after those two possessions, or the one you showed and the one that I mentioned, they uh, they bring a big on him, right? And the big actually does a good job of getting him off his spot. Jarris catches almost at the three-point line, right? Faces up. Right, takes it right. So he, he initially faced up, and then he backed him down. Takes it right into his chest and picks up the foul. And I was just watching those three possessions, thinking like, okay, if Jarris can start to kind of bring it all in, 
mm. and bring it all together. And he can start to attack the matchups correctly in the way that he just did with those three possessions. Then we're talking about a guy who's going to be at a different level, right? Mm. But until he gets there, we have to see that more consistently is what I'm trying to say, right? Like Correct. those three positions against possessions against Cincinnati were fantastic, but we need to see that every single game for us to start talking about and, and Corey, i think the point that you make is really fair like if he was doing that every single game we'd be comparing him more to those other guys that you mentioned rather than who he's going to be mentioned with unfortunately but the juice is there so i, I definitely agree with you yeah because if he's doing that more consistently like he's probably getting mentioned with like Kawhi. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. like something like that um you know like the clip that we're we're playing now like he's facing a guy up, you know, create separation, tough shit, but it's like a one-legged fall away. And, you know, it's just a, a really tough shot that, you know, he probably could have moved off of the ball. Um, now, you know, the shot clock is at around five or so. So maybe you want to argue like, hey, that's a, a shot that, you know, you, you need to take at that point because who knows if you move off of it, how much time somebody else has to create. And maybe that's as good a look as you're going to get. But I, I think what we're trying to say is like, he has all of that shot making potential and he showed it at IMG. That was one of the things that really intrigued us in, in the pre-draft process. He's shown the flashes of it now. And it's just another tool in his toolbox that if he hones, you know, we're talking about a guy who's going to make, you know, not just one or two all-star games. Like he's going to be a, a, an all-star game year, uh, an all-star year in and year out because of everything else that, he offers on the basketball court a hundred Corey people people talk about Scotty Barnes like he's the second coming of I don't know if people like Scotty Barnes wait till you see Jairus Walker is how I feel <laughs> yeah and, and and you know I think at the beginning of the I think when I wrote about Jairus in the preseason um and when we talked about him and even in the no ceilings draft guide like Scotty Barnes is one of the guys that we put because we know that Jairus can also playmake a little bit, right? Like, and at IMG, he was doing a lot of that. He's doing less of it because, you know, Houston has a lot of really talented guards um, in, that that he plays with. And, you know, I, I mean, honestly, like for Jarris, the reason it takes him a, a little bit of imagination to see him in an NBA context is while he does have like NBA level guards and, and whatnot, he's not operating with nearly any room like he's probably the the stretchiest big that that Houston has like most of Houston's bigs are all kind of the same and that's why they're a badass defensive team because they they just got a bunch of mean dudes down low who who defend and bruise and bang and um but uh Scotty's a kind of guy who like Jarris like he didn't get to show everything at volume at Florida State uh he you know, I, I, he, his stats are, are pretty similar to, to what Jairus was doing. He was coming off the bench. And that's why I think, you know, you and I, we were, I mean, I think I, we, I finished with him at eight or nine on, on my board, which is, was too low. Cause you know, I, I questioned the shot. I, I wondered, is he going to rebound and all that? And, and Scotty has been obviously tremendous. I was way too low on him in that process. And I don't think Jairus is exactly the the same kind of player. I think there are some, some differences, although, you know, I, I think when you look at how big and strong and, and physical and, and how versatile they are defensively and even offensively, you see some similarities, but uh, I, I think the, the main similarity is kind of the fact that like 
Jairus could pass the ball. <laughs> you know, like okay. you, you know, like uh, in, in a bunch of different ways, he's got really great vision. And and if we're looking at him in, in you know the same context uh, that we just were of his shot creation as more of like an ISO guy, uh, like right here, like I, I love this possession. He he's patient. You know, the bigs out on him. He takes him. Just read nice little drop off pass. Like uh, he doesn't force the issue. He he doesn't move off of it. The the big beats him to the baseline. The help comes. Well, he just brings it back out. And there's only so long the big can kind of stay with him. And before he he patiently you know hits his man cutting to the hoop or or in the dunker spot or you know uh, on whatever spot of, of the floor. Like he's got that kind of vision. He's big. He's tall. He's physical. He could see over de- uh, defenders. Like I, I think we've seen the trend. Like a lot of these guys. Are, are thriving in the league right away who could handle this physicality and who are multi-skilled. And, and that's another reason I think Jairus is going to be so valuable because I think you're going to be able to see a lot of these skills on, on day one. Yeah. Hey, Corey, just referring to this clip, like you mentioned the right, the strength to deal with that big who's on him, but the, just the, the handle, man, the way mm. that he's moving is unbelievable. The he shifty. Yeah. Oh God, it's it's just incredible to watch. The one critique though, I, I did have Corey about his passing. That's mm-hmm. nothing major, right? I think a lot of young guys like to do this. And especially I, I've realized like bigs who are good at passing do this a lot, in my opinion. But I, I feel like he is at times, he or sorry, he can at times um look for the home run pass a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the really fancy, no look, super tight window, you know, through the eye of a needle type of pass, which I get. Like, I, I totally get. Like, if you're a bigger guy who's not, who hasn't always been given the freedom to have the ball in their hands, but like in your mind, you know that you have the ability to make these passes, you're going to have that inclination to throw a home run ball and to mm-hmm. like make that flashy pass. And so I, I'm not really even saying this as like a critique per se, but it's something that I noticed with him that I understand and that at times pays off, right? Sometimes he'll throw an absolute dime, but other times can lead to kind of like a sloppy looking turnover. So that was the one thing that I did want to bring up. Like I get where it comes from and I'm okay with it still. Yeah. And and I think he probably feels that freedom a little bit more now than he did when, uh, cause he's, I, I love how, you know, coach Samson has coached him in that, like a lot of times he'll bench him when he makes like a mistake that is preventable um, or repeated. And this was something that Jarris did in high school as well. You know, he would try to fit passes through really tight windows. He would throw like these hit aheads. And sometimes you don't need the home run. Sometimes you could drive runs in with singles and doubles, but I do. I, I can't not say that I don't love, going for home run passes from Jairus because I, I also think that I want to see him explore the parameters of his playmaking um, and feel confidence to to make plays because uh, I, I just think he's a really uh, intelligent passer who, you know, is... I don't want to say he's being underutilized in this offense, but I think that his, his passing is going to pop more because I think there are going to be ways that the NBA utilizes him that we'll get into in a minute uh, that we'll we'll see more often than we do uh, in college. First, I want to thank everybody who's watching live. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure that you hit the like button and the subscribe button if you haven't yet. Uh, Shout out to people in the comments. Uh, You know, Bartikino was shocked that we only gave $1 to Cam. Uh, 
It's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. We only got $10 to spend. Shout out the Two Pointers podcast. Love Jarris and how versatile he is. Top four right now for me. Let's go. Great pod with Jalen Clark last week. Keep up the great work, fellas. Thank you guys for participating in the chat, tuning in, listening, um, and supporting us. Back to the passing. Uh, you know, Talking about him being used in more of an NBA context, I, I think this possession here is kind of how I see him being used in that this is more of like a short roll type pass. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I love about Jarris is that he is a, like a new age power wing. I think he's going to be a four in the league, but I do think you could play him at center because he can hold up defensively and that's going to allow him to play small ball center. It's going to allow him to operate as a screener. And when he's, used as a screener and this isn't exactly like him catching at the nail and then turning and facing he's you know popping out to the perimeter and then kind of uh, attacking uh the rotations but that is an nba level pass where he's hitting the weak side corner coming off that screen and and that's the kind of stuff like that's the good that's the good stuff that Mm -hmm. i like to see from him because that's that's nothing too flashy that's just recognizing where your shooters are recognizing where the open man is based on how the defense rotates and that's that is that's the kind of stuff that coaches are going to love. It's the kind of stuff that analysts are going to love. It's the kind of stuff that fans are going to love. His teammates are going to love. Like he's going to be a fun guy to play with. No, a hundred percent, Corey. I, I think as you mentioned, like the construction of this play is a little bit different, right? But ultimately, like the outcome and the process, whatever of it, is still very NBA ish, right? It, it's it's still there. And I think Corey, the biggest thing that we can learn from this, like these types of plays, is that. Uh, Jairus Walker is going to be an unbelievable weapon next to a really, really good player. Like you mm-hmm. put Jairus Walker next to any of the superstars, or not any, but most of the superstars in the NBA, and they're going to absolutely love playing with him, right? Like imagine Jairus Walker was playing with Luka Doncic. Like what aspect of Jairus Walker's game is Luka not going to love? Like, does he not play hard enough? Is he not a good <laughs> enough passer? Like he's going to be able to shoot the ball. As you mentioned, like the short roll stuff, When whenever they blitz uh, and double off of the pick and roll action, and if Luka can get Jairus the ball and he starts going downhill, making decisions like, like this getting the ball to who knows a Tim Hardaway or whoever on the other side. This is a really exciting prospect, you know. Like look at look at this pass, you know. The weak side hit right here is fantastic, and so I, I'll let you talk about this. But look look at this. Look, three guys on him, four guys on him. Throws us a weak side bang, right? Yeah, I I mean, <clears throat> there's not much I have to add. Like you you just broke it down. Like you know, he's gets to the block. Attacks a hoop, defense collapses, recognizes where a shooter is, and it's right on the mark. You know, the mm-hmm. shot doesn't go in. He doesn't get an assist, but we can break down this play and be like, that's a, a, a fucking awesome pass that this dude that this dude made. Like sometimes shots don't go in, and that's okay. He doesn't get credited, but we're gonna give him credit on that. That's just a high level, a high level read, and it's a read that he's gonna make in the NBA because he's going to have that rim pressure. We talked about how as a finisher, he needs to become more aggressive, right? Like we don't want him to settle as sometimes he does like on, on on this possession um, as, as he gets to the hoop, you know, he's got the big beats him off the bounce, takes a contact. He's just falling away. He's just fading away and he's bailing out the, the defense, right? Like he doesn't have to settle for for that kind of shot like just pull it out move off it and and 
you know, keep it moving and you'll, you'll get it back. The ball will find its way back to you. But, uh, you know, in, in talking about his, his passing from there, it, what he could do as, as a passer in a team construct where he's not necessarily creating just, um, like, in ISO situations, even giving him the ball on the block, he made uh, a sick read uh, out of the post um, in in the Temple game that we saw. That uh, again, I, I don't believe was an assist. I'm going to pull it up here. Like, gets the ball, turns, spin. You no, know, missed the shot. That's fine. But like, he understands. From, he know. he understands where his shooters are. I mean, you yeah. like at at all times. He understands. He can read. He could see over the help. Like that's consistent high level playmaking. This is not one clip that we're showing. Like he's doing this on a regular basis. And, and this was the intrigue with him. It wasn't he was a bruiser. He has that finesse, that that soft touch, the the feel to bring this offense together. And it's what is going. You know, you talked about how well he would play off of a guy like Luca. Like, look, the Mavericks aren't going to be in position. Yeah, to yeah, draft yeah. this guy, right? Like, yeah. it's going to be you know, Houston, Orlando, or maybe not. I mean, who, you know, who knows Orlando, uh, Detroit, uh, you know, pick a, a team that falls in or out of that five, seven, three, nine range. Like, he, you know, obviously we don't know where he's going to go, but it, he's going to be playing with other guys that, you know, are, are better than his teammates in college as talented as his college team is. And, even if he's not playing with Luca, he's still going to be an elite ancillary piece oh, yeah. to your team to connect, to be the glue guy where, all right, let's say it takes him a while. Like he's not this volume scorer right away. That's okay. He doesn't need to be right because he's still going to do all of these little things to make your offense go. Corey, I, I just want to say this, and this is, I mean, just think about this, right? Currently NBA teams are calling the Toronto Raptors and and offering three first round picks for OG and an Obi, mm. right? And like people want to say, like, dude, are you crazy? You're gonna take an ancillary guy with the third pick in the draft? And I'm like, dude, in my head, I'm like, if it's this level of an ancillary guy who at times could be like a main guy, yeah, you take him at number three and you don't even worry about it because we've spent 40 minutes on his offensive game. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into his defense and how good he is on that side. Right. So for me, it's like, yeah. It, you have to understand that there are levels, even to ancillary players, there are levels to this thing. All right. Well, let's talk about the defense, right? Because I think as excited as I am about him as an offensive player, there are things he has to work on. You know, he's, he, I, I want to see him be more aggressive finishing at the rim. Um, I want to see him increase his free throw shooting percentage, which I, I think there are small functional tweaks that could be made. You know, he, Let's widen that base just a little bit. Let's move that ball out of the the line of sight and you know more into uh, your shoulder, you know, kind of shoulder width, and 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 let's get that free throw percentage up to 80 percent, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but that aggressiveness. But defensively, I mean, how many question marks can you possibly have? I told an agent, um, I went to the Metro Classic uh, in Jersey where I saw like Montford and and Lalomir and Link and Roselle Catholic and. Uh, Lou High, all those big, you know, high school elite teams. And I was like, I think Jairus Walker is going to be the best defender in this class outside of Victor, right? Like Victor, his freak. Like I almost, when I talk about this draft, I almost ignore Victor yeah. and Scoot at this point in the conversation. Like the draft starts at three. And I was like, I think he's the best defender in the class. 
Like, I think he's versatile. I think he can def- defend every position. Uh, I, I don't see what he, he can't do and what he doesn't project to do at an elite level on defense. So, and not that, you know, I, I don't think a, a lot of people are necessarily arguing about how versatile he is, but to me, I, there's not another defender in this class that I would take over him. Corey, I think for me, I, I won't argue with you on any of that. I think for me, like the, where I fell deeper in love with him actually was more with like the details uh, about him on the, def- like he cares so much about small things, which makes him so special to me because mm-hmm. you can have raw talent and ability, but attention to detail is something that you don't always find with someone his age. Um, but like small things, right? Like when, when, when you watch Houston play defense, they love, a, a, they love a good trap, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like Nathan, like Nathan loves a good steak. Um, this Houston <laughs> team, this Houston team loves a trap and, and, and to see the amount of trust that coach Samson puts into Jarris Walker to not necessarily like clean everything up, but he trusts him so much to be in the right places and doing the right things. Like, Okay, yeah, here look unbelievable stuff here. Look at look at the hands, the anticipation, and the finish, right? But but Corey, one of the things that I loved about him was the stuff that he's doing off ball on the weak side, um, on closeouts, right? As a low man. Like it, it's unbelievable how detail-oriented this guy can be. I, w- I was watching like 15 possessions in a row of him just closing out on shooters. Like it was incredible. And, and you know, in college basketball, Corey, you're not always gonna have you're not always going to go against a guard that can make that weak side skip pass every single time. But mm. there were a couple of times where the, he was, he was on defense and the guard would make that and he would have to run out to the shooter. And it was just perfect. Like him just understanding that I don't have to overcommit because I'm gigantic and I have long arms and I have really mobile feet. Watching him close out on guys was like art. It was incredible to watch. Well, you know, what's funny. I, I think that that's something that he's, focused on improving through the year because i think at the beginning of the year Mm. when they played alabama you remember he sat a lot of the end of the game and it's because he made that repeated mistake on those closeouts like he he took the offensive player space and this was the first one where he's just he fouls a three-point shooter and it's like eh, it could go either way right like whatever it's it's not like the the best call um but he clearly like he made he put the ref in the position where he gave the offensive player a chance and he did that late in the game i think with like eight minutes left to go in in the game i think he sat like the majority of that time Mm -hmm. so i think that that was a point of emphasis on for him on improving because like that's what happens when you have a good coach. Like, yeah. Oh, you're a five-star prospect. I don't give a shit. You got stuff to work on. You're not perfect. And that's why him going to Houston and being put in a position to get the kind of coaching that he has to take that coaching in and to be selfless and and work towards a championship. Right. Like that's what is so special about Jarris as, as an individual, because like you said, he could have gone to some school and just got shots up and played for nothing, but he's trying to be a special player. And, and you mentioned so many different things just there of what makes him intriguing. I mean, uh, he, as a defender can really do it all. And he is, uh, he's, he's the most important guy, you know, like that is a big aspect of, of defense. It is a huge part of, 
um, Houston's defense and the way that they play, you need to have the MIG under the rim in the right spot to clean up the mess when the the guards are, you know, forcing you a certain way. And I think this is a really good, you know, example of him just being able to come over and just clean shit up. Like he's got his head on a swivel. He's in position. He's, he's touching uh, Hendricks. And then he comes over for the help. Yeah. Give me that shit. Yeah. Right. Like, like that, that's a big time play. And you know, he doesn't have like monstrous, counting stat block numbers but he's got a great block percentage a great steal percentage like he's just he's just always going he's on go all the time no i I 100 agree man and like i don't know and court did i did want to follow up with what you said like yeah you're right it is something that he worked on but like just recently he's been fantastic at it yeah and i've just been so happy with that growth and 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 i did and i and when we were talking about offense i mentioned the wichita state game because in that game he was going against i forgot i think his name was reyes or something but dude jaris was giving him an absolute like migraine just defensively he was bodying him up was so active with his hands was forcing that guy off his spot every single time and he looked miserable i remember one of the shots that guy had the ball at like the high post and just jaris was all up in his shit and he forced him to take this ugly shot and like as soon as he missed it like he knew he missed it because the defense was so good and he like tried to like bump jaris but jaris like just completely disregarded it and ran uh, down the court for offense and i was just like man like Walker is going to be that guy. Like he's just going to annoy people because he's just so competent at so many different things on the defensive side of the ball. Like guys are going to go up, go up against him and be like, how, why is he staying in front of me? And like, why can I not dribble around him? And how come I can't get my shot up? Like, look at this stuff, man. And that's on Brandon Miller, a guy that we're really, really high on in this draft as well. But look, look, look at this. Look, look at his feet staying in front of him. Yep, just beats him to the spot and then draws him right to the help, right? Like, exactly. like he's pushing him mm-hmm. to the left. He's icing that guy and yep. helps there. Now, happens that Coach, quick. Coach Tibbs would be really proud of him, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I, I think to show his versatility um, in this game, because that's on Brandon Miller, you know, a big wing, a guy who you could, you know, obviously like Jarris is like, twice as strong as Brandon Miller is, but uh, height wise, they're, they're very similar. Um, this is on Jaden Bradley. Like he's on an Island with Jaden Bradley. He's moving with him, staying with him, and staying down. Look at that. Didn't like he foul. Get, gets low, just, just making it hard, forcing a tough shot. Like, you know, you don't get a stock, you don't get or anything like that, but that is just good defense on a point guard, right? Like him being able to legitimately stay in front of, all different kinds of players is what makes him so versatile. And of course, like, is he going to be able to guard Jokic on an Island for a full game? No, but clearly nobody is. So like, why are, why even concern yourself with that? You need to scheme guard a guy like Jokic. He's not going to guard Embiid on an Island. You need to scheme for Embiid, just like you can't guard Jason Tatum one-on-one and, you know, live to tell another tale you have to scheme for these guys. That's but but can you get a guy to buy into the scheme? Right? Can you get a guy to be willing to body up a guy like, you know, Embiid? And like if Jarris gets switched on to him, he'll body him up. He's going to give effort. It's not always going to go well. Look, at the Temple game that we just went to, they got a big boy, this dude named Reynolds. Uh he's a a very large human being. He's got pretty good touch. 
he bodied Jarris, you know, in the paint, turned over the left shoulder, hit a little hook, you know, like, and, and it went in, but Jarris made it tough. Like he got a good contest. Sometimes guys are going to score, but you know, for me, like, it's just like, how many mistakes are these guys going to make? Are they, you know, do they have the the feel on that side of the ball, the understanding of rotations and, and where they're supposed to be in, you know, in their shell, in their scheme, in their structure. I think Jairus absolutely has that to go along with the physical tools, along with the athleticism, the instincts. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit, you know, when we, we go to some of our other segments that we have, I just, I just think the guy is going to be special. <laughs> People are going to be like, damn, like you guys really like this guy or what? yeah, we're, but look, I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, we, we don't get heat for our opinions or whatever. Yeah. And, we're, but, and we're not, but we're not trying to, hype Jarris up to be controversial. Yeah. And look, if if I'm wrong about Jarris Walker, this is a swing I'm so happy to be wrong about. Yeah. Because he has such a steady floor and baseline. And I think sometimes when people see, okay, this is one of the safest picks in the draft, right? You mistake that with thinking that these guys don't also have a high ceiling. A high ceiling. And that's not the case with Jarris because he has all of the tools at his disposal it's just going to be about how hard he works, what kind of situation he goes into. But I think he's a, a, a can't fail prospect just because he's going to be able to get on the floor doing all of the little things. No, I, I'm with you, Corey. And I think very much like, I think a lot of people are going to misevaluate him because of the situation that he's in. And I know we say that a lot, but I think this is especially true for Jairus Walker. And I want to say once again, and you've, you've mentioned this a million times already on this pod. We're not trying to say that he was in a bad situation. It's just that no, the, the situation that he was in was more about his development and him playing on a winning team in a winning culture for a winning coach. And yeah, that, that meant that he didn't have all the freedom in the world to flash everything that he wanted to flash, but he's going to, walk away from his freshman year at Houston um, having learned a lot having yeah. grown a lot having developed in areas where he maybe he wasn't the strongest so I, I think considering all that a lot of people are gonna be like yeah but you know he's kind of limited in this he didn't show off a lot of this and you, and I think very easily our rebuttal is gonna be like for sure he probably didn't have those freedoms but wait till he's given the freedom and with the development that he's shown in year one in, in Houston we're talking about a terrifying player once again so I'm with you man and when I think about these high-end guys, and I go, okay, can player X play deep into the playoffs? I have no questions with Jarris playing deep in the playoffs. Am I saying he's going to be the number one option in a playoff series in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? I'm not saying that. But am I questioning his impact to stay on the floor? Are you going to have to take him out of the game in a conference finals? I don't think you're going to. And again, we're talking about a, a player who's a couple of years into their development and is playing in this situation, not, you know, as a rookie. Obviously, you know, you can't trust most rookies early on. But is this a guy who's going to be able to play deep in a playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't say that for all of the guys who are projected to go in the top 10, in the top five. But I, I, I think I can safely say that I feel that way about Jairus Walker. No, I, I agree with you, Corey. And, and look, I'm, I'm sure pretty soon we're going to get into comps and stuff like that. And I'm not even comping him to this player. Let's do it. Let's do it okay. now. Sure. If you're, if you're buying stock in Jairus Walker, who may you have bought stock in previously? I, I don't even have an exact guy, but there was an, there is a larger point that I want to make here, Corey, mm. during this segment. I think once again, I mentioned this at the top, 
I believe that evaluators are going to compare him to Precious Achua, Isaiah Stewart, those types of guys, right? In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, you guys can fight me in the comments, fight me wherever, just not in person with hands. Square up, contact. square up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's closer to Paolo Banquero than he is closer to those other guys is how, where I ended up and what I wrote in my notes. And I really wanted to say that here on this pod. I think I'm not saying that he's Paolo Banquero. I get it. Paolo Banquero is more gifted offensively. However, uh, if we're putting these guys on a spectrum, I think in terms of skill set, talent, ability, measurables, everything. I think he's closer to a Paolo Banquero than he is to an Isaiah Stewart. And I don't think it's very close is how is what I believe. And Corey, if I didn't believe that Jarris Walker wouldn't be in my top three on my big board. I really do believe with everything that we've said on this podcast, I think he's like, I think he's like 1%. He's like the 1% outcome of Larry Johnson or the 1% outcome of uh, Anthony Mason. Like if those guys had, hit their absolute peak peak outcomes being able to shoot it and and handle and rebound and play defense and all those and, and be athletic we barely even talked about his athleticism and how explosive he is both laterally and vertically i i think jarris walker is that type of special talent and so the point that i wanted to make here during this segment Corey, is that i firmly believe that he is way closer to Paolo Banquero than he is to Isaiah Stewart or, or Precious Achua, and nothing against those guys. What I'm talking about is the talent, ability, versatility of his game. I love that take. I absolutely love it. And if there's a guy in the future that I'm looking down my bench and I'm like, Paolo Banquero is on the other team. I need somebody to defend him. I'm calling Jairus's number. Right, because he's gonna be he's gonna be able to physically hold up to him. And and th- look, this is Jarris now. Imagine what Jarris is gonna, you know, how strong that dude is gonna be just aging up. It's not like he's not gonna get stronger because he's already strong. Like he is going to hone his body in ways that just comes with natural age, right? For me, I can't get the picture out of my head that Jarris Walker is like if Patrick Williams and Bam Adebayo had a baby good because Patrick Williams, very, very finesse based, right? Like, you know, he's got that smooth game. It's take, he's, he's played well this year. He's made strides. He's starting to be a little bit more aggressive, but sometimes, you know, he doesn't want to fully settle in and be in attack mode. There are moments that we talked about that. I see that with Jarris, but ultimately when he has it going, he looks like, you know, he could be a star. I feel that way about Jarrett. And then defensively, I think Jarrett is a little bit wingier than Bam, but Bam has also got a lot of those wing qualities and he's able to switch one through five and protect the rim and guard out on the perimeter and play and drop or hard hedge blitz, whatever you want to do, like Bam can do it. And Bam was a guy who, you know, obviously he, he gets the Kentucky bump, People were were had a lot of questions about him. Yeah, yeah. I was not one of them. That's one of the guys I could the Kentucky guys. I safely could say that I thought was a, a home run. I missed on Shea. Shit happens. But but Bam, I was like, this dude's fucking. This guy's got it. And I remember like Draft Express posted a video of, of Bam shooting threes, and I was like, oh okay. So this dude is 
got a ton, a ton of skill. And he and Bam hasn't even like actually shot yeah. threes in the NBA, right? But he's got that mid-range game. That's enough miss. because because when you're when you're in the short roll, right? Like if you could hit that little pull up, that little Kurt Thomas, you know, shot at the the that is enough um, to make you a threat to be able to draw that that next defender to have to rotate out. And that's when you know you can make those kickouts and you know something that has made Bam so um special on offense and then also like i love how if you put a shooter like duncan robinson with a guy like bam you can run these handoff actions and use him as a a screener and a dive man and that's an area that i really think um you know jarris is going to get to be used at more in the nba uh you know like you know one one final clip here will show for jarris like we got a little you know double drag action and you know rolls to the rim get up let me catch that ooh mm. show some of that athleticism you know that that you just mentioned that we really didn't fully touch on i, I think that when you combine those kind of play styles that's the kind of player that jarris could be and, and look no prospect is a guarantee to hit you know, there were you can go down the line of all these guys who were drafted in the the lottery in the top five, number two, number three, number one, and you can always find somebody who who ultimately ends up missing. But Jarris is a guy that I am willing to heavily invest in, that I'm willing to stick my neck out on because I think that the floor is sky high, the the ceiling is sky high. He gives a shit. He's a winner. He makes an impact. I think he's going to be special. Mm. Corey, I, I just want to say right now, live with our YouTube followers watching and whatever, you are my favorite NBA draft analyst. I want to say that because <laughs> the fact that I appreciate you, that, but the fact that you brought in <laughs> Kurt Thomas and the fact that <laughs> Kurt Thomas's one skill in the NBA, other than rebounding, was that little pull up mid range shot, and he was excellent at it. The fact that you brought in Kurt Thomas here in a discussion of Jarris Walker is absolute poetry. Number one, <laughs> could have went I with Channing Frye. You could have went with so many guys. But I love that it was Kurt Thomas because, number one, you hit on the Knicks fandom of mine and the Bulls fandom of yours, so it was perfect. But also, Corey, just to kind of piggyback off of everything that you said, like, I I think it's telling, once again, the fact that you and I, and especially you, the way that you started at the beginning of our pod, you said, or recently, you said, we we almost forget about Victor and Scoot, right? They're kind of in their own stratosphere. But the fact that for both of us, Jairus is number one after those guys mean something because everyone out there is talking about the fact that this is still a pretty strong draft class at the top. We've mentioned guys like Brandon Miller, like Cam Whitmore. Like there are a lot of guys here, the the Thompson twins, we haven't mentioned them. We haven't invoked their names even once in this pod yet. But the fact that you and I believe that Walker is at the number one top of that list of those other guys, there's a reason why. And And then the last thing that I want to say, Corey, is if you look at the Warriors dynasty, and I'm not comparing him to this guy, but look mm-hmm. at the Warriors dynasty. Look at the supernova star that Stephen Curry became, that Clay Thompson became. But ask anybody who's followed that team every step of the way, you have to ask yourself, would they have won any titles without Draymond Green? And he was 100% not the number one option offensively or whatever, but he was an anchor for them defensively, did so much for them offensively with nuance and detail and versatility. And I think Jairus Walker could be the second coming of that, but an an even more talented 
offensive version of that is why I think you and I have him as high as we do. Uh, like if you redrafted Draymond, how high does he go? Right? Like, and, and not even to be like, Oh, you know, obviously he wouldn't be a second round pick. Like the impact that he had with what is he averaging? Like eight points a game for his career or something. Right? Like it, at the end of the day, the impact that he has on winning regardless of, of counting statistics is what made him special. The, the synergy, the chemistry, the ability to be a superstar ancillary piece on a championship level team. You need guys like that to win a championship. And the goal is to draft players to help teams win a championship, right? And it's hard. The goal is to help guys who are going to be able to make an impact in the playoffs. Bam Adebayo, we know. All right, he didn't win a championship, but we know he is a championship level player. He played in a championship. He impacted it. He's had deep playoff runs, right? We know he could be that, even if he didn't cross the finish line. Jairus is there for me. He's there for me. I I felt it coming into the year. The impact, I remember the game. Is the, the I think the first game that I truly watched him was against Laldomir. Hmm. And I just went, holy shit. And I think I was watching, I was going to watch JJ Starling. And then I was like, fuck that. Like I'm watching as much Jarris Walker film as I could because it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And I get it. You question it. Like how much stock should we put into this guy's high school tape? He's a physical freak going against even some of the best high school players look like children physically against him. But guess what? He has been able to do the same thing at the college level. I think we see guys like him handle themselves in the NBA as well. And he's going to get stronger and better. It's I, I feel it with him. I just have the feeling and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, go this deep for him. Yeah. Yeah. Before we close Corey, the last thing I wanted to say, I'm with you watching his high school stuff. I, I just remember that one point lost to Montverde. And like in the last five minutes, he just had like a million blocks, hit tough <laughs> shots, huge rebounds. I was like, oh, this guy's like, he said, I'm good. This is amazing. But the last point I wanted to make is he just, it feels like he is the poster boy of the evolution of basketball in a lot of ways. Just yeah. when we talk about these Masai size, built him in a lab. A hundred percent. Like he's basketball 2.0. What I wrote in my notes is like, if, if any of our listeners out there, if you grew up around the time that I did in like the late nineties, early two thousands, there was a show on WB 11 called, uh, um, Transformers Beast Wars, um, <laughs> where, you know, they're like animal transformers or whatever. But there's one part where like this like asteroid hits and they get special powers and they level up. And I'm just like, I was thinking of Jairus Walker this morning on my drive. And I was just like, this guy is like the next step in basketball. Like as much as, you know, we talk about different trends and like seminal moments in, in terms of like development and growth and evolution in basketball. Like, I feel like the reason why we have him so high is that Jairus Walker may be like that next step, the next step in terms of that evolution of basketball and what we look for in terms of like wings and bigs and roster formation and philosophy, draft philosophy, all that stuff. Like, I really do believe he's going to, he's going to be really influential in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and you know, just kind of to stay a little bit topical, I think ultimately that's almost like LeBron's biggest legacy for basketball for me. Yeah. You know, like Steph changed the game from a now everybody shoots threes perspective. You know, Dirk changed the game in that he allowed, you know, these more traditional power forward centers to to shoot threes and and 
he contributed to that. And I guess you could even, you know, go back and start with magic, you know, before LeBron as, as these big guys, but LeBron is kind of the actualized modern version of that, you know, the 2.0 version. And maybe this is the 3.0, this generation of wings that would have been labeled as tweeners 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now like, that's what every team wants is the six foot eight, seven, two, seven, three wingspan who could switch multiple positions and do a bunch of funky stuff on offense. And like, I think, you know, Jairus is, is a part of that, that next group of, of stars. And you mentioned it, OG, the, the rumor is, you know, they want three picks for him. Like these guys are valuable and OG is not even an all-star. Right. Right. Like these guys have value because regardless of if they show up at an all-star weekend, they make an impact on winning. Boom. Mic drop. There it is. I, I don't even know if we have to do a sell me this pen segment. I feel like we've been just riffing and doing a, a, a large uh, sell me this pen segment for the last like 15 minutes as, as we stop breaking down film. Yeah. yeah. No need, Corey. We did it. We did yeah. it. This whole pod was a sell you Jairus Walker. <laughs> Thank you again to everybody who is watching live on YouTube. Make sure again that you uh, hit the, uh, the like button, you subscribe, all that fun stuff. Share this with uh, your friends and, you know, your family and your loved ones. You know, really, I, I feel like you really need to integrate some Jairus Walker into, into their life now. Um, and thank you to everybody listening out, um, you know, when this drops uh, on Spotify and Apple and, and your podcast feeds, uh, listening in your car, on your way to work. You know, we appreciate everybody. We have some really fun, uh, a really fun announcement from No Ceilings for the shows um, coming soon. So we're excited about that uh, and be on the lookout. So make sure that you rate, review, five stars, all that stuff that's going to really help us continue to grow um, and provide you guys with the best draft and hoops content on the World Wide Web. Uh, Albert, tell the people where they could find you before we sign off. For sure. Uh, you guys can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter is where you can find me. Um, I actually was supposed to be writing this week, but I, I asked for some help just because I feel like if I'm honest with you guys, I'm honest with Corey. I feel like I've hit a little bit of a wall, um, a creative type of blockage going on right now, but um going to get back in the lab and try to see what I could do. So probably won't see my writing for another two weeks, but um still pushing still grinding still excited to keep doing this pod and uh that's pretty much it look that's why we got a deep bench you know so when when somebody needs help we can call upon somebody steps up next man up as as coach tibbs would say uh you can follow me at Corey tulliba on twitter uh the nba draft dude on tiktok instagram you could follow uh no ceilings nba on twitter instagram tiktok killing the tiktok game shout out to to Paige for for that she is absolutely crushing it for us um yeah we'll be back we got some fun episodes coming up in you know the short future you know down the line we got some fun stuff going on it's gonna be fun a fun draft process if i don't mm -hmm. say so myself we appreciate you all for rocking with us um until next time y'all we out peace peace